Welcome back to MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, coming to you from, uh, well, I almost said Laguna Niguel, coming to you from Santa Rosa Beach, California. Excuse me, Florida, my new home, Santa Rosa Beach. So uh, here I am. It's been a little while. I think last time I talked to you, we were on the road, um, headed this way, the 3,000 mile trip from um, California to here which uh, I drove myself, but now my wife and uh, my family of pets has joined me here, and I am no longer solo. So uh, so that's a neat thing. I'm very happy about that. Um, so welcome back to MMA BJJ in Life. Uh, we can find us on Twitter at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and Life on Twitter, DJ San Marco or David San Marco on Facebook if you want to yell at me or tell me you like it, please give us a like on iTunes and or SoundCloud. Please, if you would, and uh, you like what, uh, what I do, please uh, click the like button. That'll uh, help us out a little bit, get a little more people interested to uh, check us out. So uh, we're here to talk to you and break down um, UFC 219. Cyborg versus uh, Holly Holm. This is actually a fight that uh, has been in the making for uh, quite a few years now. Um, something that when Holly uh, went into MMA, I think a lot of people from her camp um, had talked about that they wanted this fight. Um, and something that I think she thought about, but they wanted to get her to a point where they were comfortable with her taking on somebody the level of a cyborg Santos because of the fact that uh, she really didn't have a, a tried and true MMA game she did some boxing she did some kickboxing but um, there is a lot to unpack here relative to that fight very little uh, to unpack here relative to uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Edson Barbosa so we won't talk extensively about that beatdown but we will cover um, what I think it means, and, and I think we talked a little bit about it on the uh, last show as to how good an idea I thought it wasn't to put Barbosa in there with him, but we'll, we'll get into that. Let's start off with uh, Christian Cyborg uh, Santos, uh, excuse me, Christian Cyborg Justino against uh, Holly Holm, the main event. Uh, the judges had it 49 46, 48 47. 48-47 in a unanimous decision but a little bit crazy I don't know which round you would you would give to Holly if we look at the sure dog judging who I trust a lot we had Brian Knapp Josh Stillman and Tristan Critchfield uh, judging the fight they gave uh, Cyborg the first round the second round the third round the fourth round and the fifth round so basically you had every judge there giving Cyborg all five rounds, and Tristan basically is local to Albuquerque, as is Holly Holmes. So if you were looking for somebody to give her a hometown uh, favor there, they didn't. Uh, so I don't know who had it for um, for Holly Holmes. But I'll tell you what, uh, I want to say for the record, there's a lot, again, there's a lot going on here. Let me start off with Holly Holmes. Um, I really respect her a lot. I did not think she would do as well as she did. I knew she had great movement. I knew that she would be on her bicycle, um, which is very smart, and she would look to get away and create some distance. 
between her and Chris, and she did that. Um, but I thought that she that Chris would eventually go after her and try to finish her, and there was only a couple of barrages in the entire fight. Um, and so the couple of surprising things here. A, Chris really didn't go after her in the way that she used to go after other women. And I don't think it was the counter-punching issue because she took Holly's punches without much trouble. And when she hit Holly, she busted her up pretty good. Um, I didn't see what I thought I would see. I didn't see the aggressive finisher, the berserker cyborg that probably she would have needed to be to finish the fight or she spoke about you know people said hey did you see the you know the video of her wrestling we brought in a a national level wrestler and cyborg was able to get takedowns on her and do very well with her in the wrestling arena okay that's great um jiu-jitsu we know what chris can do from the top position in jiu-jitsu uh, and even getting sweeps from the bottom position. She's competed in jiu-jitsu. She's great in jiu-jitsu. She trains with uh, Kleber BJJ, which I think is in the Huntington Beach area. I know I've seen them in a lot of tournaments when I was in California. And um, so we have these areas. And she, like we talked about with Jose Aldo, she didn't use any of those areas. She did at least box and kick. She kickboxed. But she really didn't look to really attack the legs of Holly Holm at any uh, at any great interval. Um, she counterpunched very well. She boxed a lot, so she looked a lot like what we would associate with when we say somebody gets too boxing centric. It's not that she didn't throw some kicks. She did. She she landed some nice body kicks. Um, she landed some nice. Um, some she landed some head kicks. I don't know if they got by the guard of Holly or not, but but she did land some some decent kicks. But she didn't attack the legs the way that I thought she could. Especially, you know, she went to, she began her camp in Thailand like she did last time. You know, she went to Thailand first. She did some rounds in Thailand, and then she came back here and really begun the U.S. part of her camp. So I was very surprised at that. I was surprised she didn't ever go for a takedown. I, uh, that was surprise number two, if you will, or B. And I was very surprised that she was dominated in the clinch and that she really wasn't aggressive in the clinch. When, when Holly clinched her and put her up against the cage, you didn't see Cyborg digging for underhooks. You didn't see her going to turn very hard. She was like, Holly went there to rest. Uh, which is surprise number one in, on, in terms of Holly's game, is that I really thought Holly would knee and she would really try to generate some offense from there, and she didn't. She really went there and rested. Now, you could say as part of maybe that was part of her game plan was we're going to put Cyborg up against the fence. She can't land significant strikes from there. She doesn't have a great elbow game from there. We just don't see those situations where people try to clinch with her a lot. And so with all that in mind, maybe they said we'll go there and rest. And then we'll, if when we get shucked off the fence, we'll go back on our bike again and circle a lot. So maybe that was something that that they had in the game plan. And if so, I guess 
that's good. But there was no offense in the clinch. The ref really could have come over and said, hey, let's work or I'm going to put you back in the middle of the cage or I'm going to separate you. So uh, that's something that could have happened also. So very, very interesting um, juxtaposition in styles and game plans. Um, is so, so from the Holly standpoint, extremely tough, and I want to say incredible toughness, grit, got hit really hard, um, got her nose smashed early in the fight, got cut, um, just a tough, tough woman, professional fighter, a professional female fighter with great cardio and just an absolute never, and if you're wondering that noise, it's my puppy Julia trying to join me uh, with the laptop here. Um, and now we have three pets in here. We have Julia, we have Mia, and I think Bella's in here as well. That's not going to help the podcast. It's potentially disastrous. Um, so Holly put on an incredible performance. I have to give kudos to uh, Mike Winklejohn and the Jackson Winklejohn team that uh, the strategy that they put together um, was really, really good. And if if they didn't nullify what Chris wanted to do, if the movement gave her pause, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that relative to Cyborg in a minute. But it was it, it was very, very interesting to see that they were they moved a lot they moved a lot they came in now you could argue that you don't like the combinations that she came in with she ducked her head a lot she got countered a lot coming in especially i would say in the first three rounds to three and a half rounds four rounds she really started to land in the last round and a half when she dove in there she actually landed some strikes on cyborg maybe cyborg got a little bit tired in her head movement just kind of slowed down a little and by the way i didn't record the fight accidentally so i wasn't able to go back today and take a look at it um but uh but but there you have it that that's interesting that that she did that so but the when you say the movement the toughness um the ability to endure i know she was getting hit hard the ability to hold cyborg against the cage very interesting the fact that cyborg didn't really try to take her down she never dropped down for a single or a double and and cyborg said the sweat so i think it's a lot of if you pr- what you're practicing is what you're going to do and cyborg does a lot a lot of rounds of boxing and probably kickboxing and cardio and if she really didn't do a lot of takedowns in her sparring then that's why she didn't do it in the fight and we don't know these things but but she said well Holly was really sweaty so yeah of course she's sweaty but you have to drive through on these double leg takedowns you know you have to drive you have to really go at it I mean you didn't see like Carla Esparza go up I can't hit that single on Calvillo she's sweaty or Calvillo so Anyway, um, let's go to Cyborg now. So we talked about Holly. Congrats on staying in the fight, going five rounds with Cyborg, something that's never been done, being tough as hell, in shape as hell, and having a good game plan, um, if not perfect, uh, really good. Now you take a look at Cyborg. Why did Chris not 
do the things that we associate her doing. People say it's patience that she learned from training with Jason Perillo, you know, since the days that she was at Shoot the Box. Is it? Maybe. Um, she's more boxing-centric now, um, as everybody is when they get a boxing trainer. I don't care who it is. Everybody's like that. Um, maybe St. Pierre did do some decent kicks, but St. Pierre has never really tried to pile up a lot of... He was never a leg kick guy anyway. He's a karate guy. Um, but, you know, what really happened there? Chris, we've seen her take people down and maul them before. Marlos Kunin, other women. So, um, why didn't she go for a takedown on Holly? Why didn't she try to implant, implement that part of her game? Was it, hey, I want to stand with who is somebody who people call a quote-unquote world-class boxer, and I want to test my, my hands against her? Maybe... Is it something to do with PEDs, the fact that she's no longer on PEDs uh, of any sort or hormones or any of these things? Um, this is the part that will get a little uncomfortable because this is conjecture. So I, you know, alert, alert, alert. This is conjecture. This is just a guess. And you can take it for what it's worth and you can add your own opinion to it. Obviously, she tested clean throughout the camp being tested by USADA once or twice a week whatever they were doing and she tested clean so she's probably not on something if she is on something she doesn't look as big as she did look she's not as bulging with muscle as she was and of course add in the fact I think her diet's a lot better she's probably not eating as many carbs as she was um, she got rid of George Lockhart. I don't know who's doing her nutrition now, but they did great. If she didn't have to suffer and stick herself in that little oven in, um, in, um, like she did when you saw her on the, uh, the UFC unfiltered stuff when she was, um, uh, I don't remember what the UFC calls it, but embedded or whatever, when she was getting in that little oven and zipping it up around her and they just tortured her and she was crying and everything and it was very sad um and she says you know when when the trainer would hand her some nuts she goes what am I bird now you know I mean yes the diet that these guys have to have of salmon and broccoli and stuff like that that is the fighter diet if you want to stay on weight in in today's UFC that this is what it is there's no there's no two ways about it. There's no eating like a normal person and being able to stay within a certain weight range. So that, um, so there's that, okay? Um, but, you know, the effect of what she did in the past, whether it be hormones or and a combination of steroids and other things, um, those things give an advantage. They change the female body composition. You can see there are uh, women in Brazil and probably here as well that want to bulk up that can only get to a certain level of muscularity on their own and then they have to start taking substances that give them more of what a man has. And what happens, what do you see when you see that? When that happens, you see bulging shoulders. 
male-like shoulders and back over the width of the back you see a trunk the torso um, and you know I know somebody that's that's done this and you can see athletic um, how should you say you can see somebody that's cut and ripped kind of going to the gym um, kind of a fitness girl and then you can see after the stuff that the torso the trunk the core gets wider and bigger like a man you can see things like hair growth you can see other other indicators um, the facial structure the facial features change um, uh, a lot of things you can see you know Holly if you look at Holly Holly looks like a very fit woman somebody who works out a lot who puts a lot of effort into for her physique and if you looked at her last night you can see the revealing uh, shorts she, that she had on that she has a nice round backside that you would associate with an attractive athletic woman who does a lot of work with her legs and you could see with Chris this phenomenal amazing sweet woman uh, by every account and I've never met her I've been in the room in the same room as her a couple of times I've never actually had a conversation with her but by all accounts she is just a wonderful lovely woman but you can see the difference between her legs her backside what you know it it's taken on a much more manly thing and you look at the photos the before photos before she started using enhancement and you can see there's a big difference she looks much more womanly there um, and there's that photo on the internet everybody can google it and find that photo and I'm not trying to cast aspersions on her or rain on her parade I'm really happy that Miss uh, Cyborg is getting along well with the UFC that to some extent if not the Rousey extent they're promoting her that they're trying to get women to fight her that she had an opportunity to make money she's gonna make pay-per-view points and I'm thrilled whatever mistakes she made in the past or whatever she did everybody deserves to make mistakes and be forgiven and she's no different and I have no no issue with it okay I mean but when somebody like Luke Thomas goes on Twitter and starts calling fans a-holes for hating on cyborg you have to have some freaking nuance in this there is nuance okay do I hate cyborg or hate anything about her because she's successful and she's winning and she's doing no well I celebrate her she's trying to create a, a good life for her daughter in Brazil and herself and and build a future for herself so that when she's done fighting um, she's not starving for money and she puts a lot of work into what she does uh, and I applaud her and I'm happy for her and I hope for her success and the attention that uh, she gets the attention that she deserves I can also say that there's no question that she took an advantage for in cage fighting not for like girls in Brazil that are looking to look good at the beach and have bulging quadriceps and and uh, thighs and things like that 
that's different. That's I want to look like this. I want to go around and be noticed for my muscularity. That's not what she did. To some extent, Gabby did that, and we can get to Gabby Garcia later. But Cyborg did it because a lot of people in her camp were doing the entire shoot the box camp was doing uh, was using performance enhancing drugs and she joined in uh, does that make her an, a horrible awful person no it doesn't um, she did what she did and it happened and she probably regrets it she may or may not regret it I don't know I'm not in her head as Judge Judy would say I've said it to Larry my buddy from Prime MMA Radio I'll say to you you don't uh, when she says, I I feel like this person thought this. And Judge Judy says, you, you don't know what's in somebody's mind. So don't say, I think she thought, or, or I know she thought, or know she felt. We don't know what she thought and she, she felt. I suspect there may be some regret. Maybe there's not. Some people would trade a drug suspension or two for... Uh, being able to make the kind of money they made. I don't know. Um, but Chris lifts a lot of weights. She can. I saw her on Instagram, and probably you did, see her uh, power clean uh, 315 pounds. A lot of women can't do that, um, that, are, that are natural. So my assertion to you, and if you listen to Ian Kidd talk about this on the Three Amigos podcast, uh, when he's speaking uh, about Gabby Garcia... And he says there's a lot of male androgens in her system that allow them. It changes the facial structure. It changes the voice. It changes the 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 size, the the power in the hips, in the core, um, and and the legs and things like. And the shoulders end up getting bigger than what most women can gain naturally. And that's something that must be accounted for. And it, you can't just dismiss that as, ah, well, you know, it happened and she did it and now she's not doing it. No, it's not that. It's that once you get that, you're building, you can build more bone mass so it can carry more weight and carry more muscle. There's, And I'm not a scientist, I'm not a biologist, but when you talk to people that know these things, people like Ian Kidd, they will tell you, that once you take these drugs, it changes the person's body composition. They become more masculine. And with that, that doesn't go away because you stop taking steroids. How do we know it doesn't go away? Look at them. <laughs> Look at the people that have done this. And the amount of weight that they can, that they can put on and the, muscular, uh, the muscularity they can gain. All these things stay, even if... They're not packing on the muscle that they were packing on when they were actively using. They still have a bigger frame, bigger bones, you know, a sturdier face, uh, you know, larger shoulders. They're able to grow in the areas that develop power that you can then use for punching and kicking. And that's part of the reason why she hits so hard and why she can lift so much. I don't know why that's hard to understand. And I don't know why it's hard for Luke to call everybody a hater. Are there haters and idiots on Twitter that say really negative things about Cyborg? Yes, there are. 
Are there idiots all over Twitter talking about any number of different things or Facebook? Yes, there are. But that doesn't mean that there isn't some nuance and that you can't at once celebrate that this woman did something she may or may not have be sorry that she did in her past relative to performance enhancing drugs and celebrate the fact that she's cleaned up her image her uh, meat-headed boyfriend is not on Twitter saying all kinds of stupid things representing himself as Chris and that she's extremely likable and sweet and and has a, a personality that that people really like and root for and that's great I really I really you know I, I respect her and I respect what she's done but I can also say that she had some help in the past doing it and some of the gains that she got doing that those gains to some extent are still here even though she may be 100 percent clean right now and have been for the last couple of years but some of those gains remain when you're able to rebuild the body with a masculine edge to it so congratulations to Chris Cyborg Holly who got this fight I guess she's lost three of her last four let's see she lost this one she lost to Durandamy um, and she lost to yeah she beat she lost this one she beat Betch that's one for two then she lost to Durandamy she probably should have won that fight and then she lost to um, to Misha uh, she shouldn't have won that fight. She just made an error. But she probably should have beaten Durandame, uh even though I picked Durandame to win. Uh, I think those fouls, there's no doubt that the referee should have taken a point and Holly should have won that fight. So so she's lost a few fights. Where she's going to go, I don't know. As far as Chris Cyborg is concerned, Megan Anderson, who is extremely green, has uh, said that she wants to fight Chris over and over and over. It's probably she's been out. We don't know the reasons why um, she was unable to fight. What happened in her personal life? Uh, I have no idea. Nobody knows. Um, and it's probably not a very smart fight for her. But there's nobody else for her to fight unless she comes back and fights Holly at 145. So it's depending upon what Holly does. It would actually make more sense for Megan Anderson to fight Chris than it would, excuse me, to fight Holly than it would for Megan Anderson to fight Chris. So um, Amanda Nunes is now expressing interest in her girlfriend. Nina Ansarov is going on Twitter and saying that she wants to see that Amanda needs to get up there and fight Chris. Um, I had thought previously that, uh, that, that Amanda would not fight Chris. Um, because of the size differential but one of the things that could be happening here if Chris has just slowed down if Chris has a whole different take on how she wants to approach a fight or if it's really that um, that uh, Chris is trying to draw people in like what if Chris says to herself and it wouldn't put it past I wouldn't put her past her to be this smart it's to say you know what? Um, this uh, this girl is really uh, you know. If I want to draw people in, I'm going to carry a little later. I'm not going to be the berserker. 
I'm going to go out there and carry these fights into the later rounds. And that, and as long as I win, it's going to draw more girls in to want to come and fight me. So you say if Chris goes out and destroys Holly in round one, and, and I'm not saying she could have and she didn't, maybe, maybe not, we don't know. This is all just conjecture. What if she takes out Holly in round one? Is Amanda News going, I want a piece of that? You know, we don't know. Maybe she's not saying I want a piece of that. If if she goes out and just comes out of the corner and barrages on Holly and gets her against the cage and just finishes her in round one, maybe maybe people aren't lining up to fight Chris. But the more beatable Chris, more people are lining up to fight. So it's it's very interesting what's going on here, and I don't know. Is it an older Chris? is it she didn't look too intense coming out uh, she didn't look like a killer coming out she didn't look angry is it an older uh, Chris is it uh, the new style of, the, of Jason Perillo is it not being on any PEDs is it her wanting to carry fights a little later so that other girls want to fight her and she can draw in business you draw more uh, bees with honey than you do with vinegar it's very interesting but we really don't know so, all right, that's about 30 minutes on one fight. So we're going to leave that go. We gave you enough possibilities to think about what's going to happen with Chris. As far as Holly, I don't know what Holly's going to do. I don't know how many more fights she wants. They could make a fight between she and Amanda Nunes. I don't know why she would want to fight someone like Juliana Pena, but she might. Uh, Kat Zagano is out there. There are fights for Holly if she wants them. It's just a, depending on what she wants to do. Um, she made a couple hundred thousand bucks. She's going to have uh, pay-per-view points, uh, and then we'll see. You know what? Uh, I think someone said she made 300k. If she made 300k, um, and I have to, I think uh, Steffi, um, I think Steffi Haynes from Bloody Elbow actually did that. I can probably look it up here and see the salaries. Um, I don't know. Um, she's really, really lucky if she made that money. And I don't know if she's going to want to come out. Here we go. Oh, no, those are highlights. Um, I don't know if she's going to want to come out and fight for for not a lot of money. I'm going to have to find Steffi Haynes. Let's see what, what story she's got. Um... Okay, here we go. Yeah, Holly Holm made 300k and Cyborg made 500k. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of fighters in the UFC that would like to make that money. Khabib only made 80 and 80. Um, Barbosa made 75. Carlos Condit made 115. Neil Magny made 70. A lot of people in the UFC would like to make 300k. So Holly did very, very well to take this fight. Um, very smart by Lenny Fresquez and, and company in Albuquerque to negotiate for 300k. Uh, and Cyborg made half a mil, and um, she probably deserves that uh, based on her resume of work. So I shouldn't say probably she does deserve it because she got it. So uh, so there you go. Let's go to uh, let's jump to Khabib Nurmagomedov and uh, Edson Barbosa. Uh, this one went three rounds. The judges had a 30-25, 30-25, 30-24 for Khabib. 
Um, there's no there's no magic here. I mean, he's such an incredible beast. He's probably the best lightweight. It's going to be fascinating to see if Tony Ferguson and Eddie Bravo and company can come up with something that is going to work if Khabib is able to get Tony on the floor and uh, if Tony's able to put him in guard and start working a rubber guard or working any of his magic. I know that Khabib is so great on passing guard. It's like impossible to, it seems impossible to control his posture. Now, granted, my dream match is going to be Khabib and Ben Askren, but I don't know that we're ever going to see that. Um, but he looked fantastic. Barbosa, I felt bad. I mean, when you, given the lightweight rankings, everybody tells me, DJ, you need to just back off. There's really nobody else they could have put Barbosa against. I mean, I would have loved to seen Barbosa and Tony Ferguson too, even um, if Khabib like fights Tony and let's say Tony won, I would have liked to have seen that. I, you know, Khabib destroys fighters. But here's what I got from that whole episode. I, like Joe Rogan and like Dom Cruz and like many of you uh, on Twitter, were thinking that Mark, um, that his coach, um, now I can't remember his name, um, the brilliant uh, coach from New Jersey, Mark, and uh, his name's escaping me, but thought that he should have, uh, him and Ricardo Almeida and company, should have thrown in the towel after round two. And I, I agree with that. I don't think they should have let him. He, he got a lot of hits to the face. What I learned in this fight is that Edson Barbosa is one of the toughest, toughest guys in the UFC. This guy is incredible. He did stop some takedowns. He did get away from a few takedown attempts. And he's incredible. He really did endure a beating. And thank goodness that he didn't get Kimura'd and his shoulder torn in half the way that Michael Johnson did. So I'm very, you know, I'm heartened by it. I don't know that I would have wanted him to take that damage. I don't think Khabib broke him in the way that he's broke some other guys where they'll never be able to fight him again or that it'll take him a long time to come back. I don't think Edson was that guy. He came out, he fired the leg kick, Khabib was moving was moving to his left. He made it hard. He kept his left foot outside of uh, Barbosa's um, right foot. And so Edson said, okay. And he fired the inside leg kick and hit that femoral artery. And you can tell he definitely hit Khabib's leg. But the thing is, is he just couldn't hit enough to make, you know, he couldn't because Khabib eventually said, okay, that's enough after three, four, five of those to close the distance and him take him down. But when you talk about a Jose Aldo and things like that that we've beat on at, at ad nauseum, that is what we're talking about, is Jose hitting that amount of kicks and putting it in one spot on a Max Holloway, someone that doesn't have the takedown ability of Khabib Nurmagomedov. Because Khabib just had to endure those kicks and punches. And by the way, he looked great in the striking exchanges, Khabib did, until he was sick of it and said, okay, now I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
put this guy against the cage and I'm going to wear his ass out. So he, he's able to do that at any point in the fight that he wants Khabib, okay? But Barbosa um but but Barbosa fired those leg kicks in there when he had the chance. So there was no way that he was going to leg kick Khabib into submission because he all knew and we all knew that when Khabib decided that he was going to put it against the cage, he was going to put it against the cage. So let's not uh, pick too much on Barbosa. It was really Khabib's game. He was able to do what he wanted when he wanted and uh, I would love to see him fight Tony Ferguson. I'm like Larry. I don't think that Connor will have success against Khabib, but it is possible as hard as Connor hits that if he comes out and lands a series of one twos, it's possible that he could stun Khabib enough to be able to get a finish. But I agree with, with Larry to the extent though I, I will never bet on one punch guys when you have a guy like Khabib that once he gets his hand around you, I think he will wear Connor out. So and I don't know that Connor will like Larry, I'm not sure he'll sign that fight. But if the UFC were to do a promotion in Russia Assuming that Connor doesn't fight Tony, and we don't know what Connor's going to do, nobody knows. Um, only Connor knows and his team. But assuming that they made a promotion in Russia where it would be a big deal and you could get a soccer stadium and all these kinds of things where there could be a big splash in pay per view points, where things like that, where um, um, Connor knew that he could make some money. Uh, a significant amount of money on pay-per-view points, he might do it. Um, it's possible. So it, it just depends on what what he wants to uh, to do. It, you know, but I could see a scenario where where that could happen. Uh, good on Barbosa. I would love to see Barbosa fight Justin Gaethje, and now uh, the door is open to make that fight. Uh, so let's move along because Khabib is either going to fight Tony. Or I don't know who else they would put him against. So unless they want to sacrifice Gaethje and put him against him, and and that wouldn't be. I don't know how good that would would be. Um, Dan Hooker and Mark Diacasi. Um, you know, not too much to say about this. Brilliant! What a beautiful. I watched that guillotine uh, combo there. It was like kind of Darcyish, kind of guillotineish. That that. Uh, head and arm that choke and it's not a head and arm but it was like a it was like a modified guillotine darce it was beautiful um i guess it's the one similar to what cody mckenzie does the guy from alaska i would love to see it um and try to perfect it it was beautiful i'd love to try that um the way he slides his arm through there and pushes down i don't i don't quite get it i think it's it's kind of like a high elbow guillotine so but beautiful beautiful thing uh, Mark Casey, obviously, you know, his corner told him not to do that. Beautiful striking. I mean, that guy is going to be around the UFC for a long time with that kind of striking. That is just the kind of thing that Dana White loves. So I ex I don't expect he's going anywhere. Um, so congratulations on that. Uh, Carlos Barza, Cynthia Calvillo, Calvillo. I picked Cynthia. I thought she was going to work Carla on the ground. And the first round, I was looking really smart. And then after round two and three, I wasn't looking so smart because um, Carla came back. She really mixed in a striking game. And this is something we talked about with Claudia Gadelia. 
because Claudia loved to box also. She loves boxing. You'll find there are many, many fighters who love boxing. There's a, to a less extent, fighters that love kickboxing and Muay Thai. There's, you know, kind of like two groups. Um, but there are fighters that will love to hit mitts all day long. But you have to kick in MMA. You just have to kick. You can't have a game where you don't kick at all because you won't beat the best of the best fighters. You just have to kick. It's just necessary. And Carla added that leg kick in and it really helped and she did very well with it and she was able to use her bit of experience and everything to... to I, th I actually had Calvillo winning the fight. I could see how you would have it for Esparza if you gave uh, Calvillo at 10-9 first round. I kind of had it 10-8, which would have made it a draw. And I'd have to go back and watch the second round and see how that unfolded to come to a clear conclusion. The third round was definitely Esparza. Um, she got a couple of takedowns. She couldn't do anything with it. And I thought Cynthia was really... She just didn't fight with the kind of fight IQ that she would have needed to to be uh, successful in that fight. Um, but but uh, beautiful job. Congratulations to Carla coming back from just getting beat the way that she was beat down by Ioana. It takes a long, and she did have an injury too, but it takes a long time to come back from that kind of a beatdown. And that's what I was afraid was going to happen to Barbosa, although he left with his head held pretty high last night. Um... So we'll see where that goes. Now I think Cynthia, I'm not who sh sure who there are a myriad of women they could match her up with. I wouldn't match her up with like a Tatiana Suarez. I would really want to build, excuse me, I would really want to build um, Cynthia uh, as a star because she, she has it. Her striking is only going to get better. Her wrestling is going to get better. Her jiu-jitsu is awesome. This girl is a bona fide prospect. She may like uh, Paige. She may end up needing to leave Alpha Male. So we'll see. I don't know that Alpha Male is capable of producing a championship level female fighter. So take that for what it's worth. But I'm not sure. And I love Justin Buchholz and all that. I, I, de I decry what uh, Uriah Faber and company have done to him. Neil Magny and Carlos Condit, not much to say here. Neil Magny is a great style matchup for a guy like Carlos Condit because Carlos doesn't have an overwhelming game in one area. Everybody says about Neil Magny, he does a lot of things well. He doesn't do anything fantastic. He has good wrestling, he has good jiu-jitsu, and he has uh, good striking. You saw all of those on display yesterday save for he was really never on his back really didn't have to use his jiu-jitsu too much he just needed to defend some leg lock attempts uh, where Carlos Condit tried to wrap up a leg from the bottom but he really didn't he wasn't sure how to get into that and Neil defended quite well um, he outstruck Carlos he was quicker on the draw um, he interrupted Carlos is, uh, um, as you heard Dominic Cruz say, where he likes to start a combination with a kick and then lead into punches, which can lead to elbows and then finishing with another kick, like a head kick. Um, 
Neil was able to disrupt all of that by countering uh, off of the first kick and just and and totally disrupting Carlos coming in. So fantastic job by Neil Neil Magny and the guys in Colorado and uh, Elliot. Um, I think his name's Elliot Marshall, the uh, jiu-jitsu guy, um, the guy that used to uh, coach with uh, Leicester Bowling up there. Um, so fantabulous. You know, Carlos looked good, not great, and I don't know if that's the layoff. I don't know if he's just done, and there's really not enough enough evidence to suggest either way. So the way we're going to know whether he's done is if he asks for another fight, and then if he gets another fight, Depending on who the opponent is, how he looks in that fight, we'll know whether he's done or not. Uh, I'm going to have to try to say this guy's name. Khalil Roundtree against Michael Olyachenjuk. I don't know how to say his name. I'd have to get the Polish uh, Google Translator out here. Maybe I can Maybe I can do that. That might be fun. No, it won't let me copy it from this Sherdog thing. Maybe it will. Uh, that'd be funny if I can Google this thing. Um... But, uh, oh yeah, it kind of turns it into a link, so I can't really do that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the, the young guy from Poland, he did a, um, he did a uh, fantabulous job. Um, basically let Khalil Roundtree, who showed zero fight IQ, come out, try to blow his load against a 22-year-old fighter. I guess the youngest fighter on the roster, he let him blow his load, and then he just systematically took him apart as he was gassed for the rest of the fight. Beautiful array of placing punches, high, low, up, down, to the body, to the head, to the face, kick, low, kick, high, kick, body. Um, beautiful. That's just super-duper intelligent, not flashy, but super-duper intelligent, striking, and very foolish by Roundtree because had he paced himself in the first round he would have been there in round three to really try to get the better of the ex exchanges but what he ended up having to do was to just go in a survival mode and throw kicks and punches just to create distance so he didn't get pieced up too hard so it's very unfortunate the way that Khalil Roundtree approached this fight um, very foolish and um, he'll learn from that I hope this fight, me and my wife were hanging out talking, and I did not see Miles Jerry and Rick Glenn. I thought Rick Glenn would would win based on the mustache, but uh, I was incorrect about that. Uh, Marvin Vittori against Omari Akhmedov. Um, really interesting. I thought, um, you know, I thought Akhmedov was going to win the fight uh, after seeing uh, early on. Marvin Vittori looked very one-dimensional boxer type. Um, I guess he trains at Kings. I was very, very surprised. Um, did not put combinations together well. Did not look really good. Um, it was really kind of like a, a sloppy slugfest of one guy throwing full blast. The other guy with kind of incomplete combinations and was kind of ugly. This fight right here, the first fight, Luis Smolka against my boy, Mateus Nicolau Pereira. Um, uh, Mateus coming back after a year's suspension. Um, thank goodness it's good to have him back. He is a fantastic uh, young man, a wonderful young man. Probably got caught up in the PEDs that were running all around Jackson's 
that you saw John Jones and other people uh, were caught there using PEDs and uh, I suppose Mateos was one of the folks that was and it's his fault I'm not trying to absolve him but I can see where um, he would have um, where you can get influence when you're a gym full of UFC veterans and their drugs running around uh, PEDs running around the gym so uh, it's unfortunate and that's what uh, Cyborg was pointing out I think is that uh, was that there's more uh, you know they're coming and testing me and there's more people that have been hit for PEDs at Jackson's than anywhere else and um, I guess that's true I don't know I haven't calculated it but apparently there's a number of different fighters out of there that have been caught so Mateus looked fantastic beautiful counter punching going to the body going to the head kicks his wrestling he knocked down uh, I think he knocked down Smolka three times in the first round uh, some people gave him one of the sure dog judges Brian Knapp gave him a 10-7 first round the other two judges gave him a 10-8 but um, but yeah he really worked him over and Louis Smolko is so tough his jiu-jitsu is so nice that even when uh, Mateos would execute some really nice passes to side control um, this guy was so cool and so calm and in a brilliant victory by Mateus in striking in out wrestling and out grappling um, just wonderful counter punching everything he did was great that you can still see in Smolka somebody that didn't quit and used his jiu-jitsu and and maintained I mean he was deep in a rear naked choke he was deep in a head and arm something I would have tapped to he didn't tap he answered the phone and just hung on and waited for Mateos to try to burn his arms out just incredible incredible uh, performance by Mateos and equally a very uh, a great performance and toughness by um, by Smolka so even in you know in in a, in a loss you know you can see something in in somebody and say wow that's that's super duper impressive so um, to wrap the night up um, uh, I didn't see the first fight, so I can't even share that with you guys. But um, something that did come out, the photographer at Jackson's, Mark, let me see what his name is. I know I've met him before. What the hell is his name? He is the, uh, I guess his title is, oh, Mark Aragon, official video and media director at Jackson Wink. I met him when he was with Mateus at uh, when he beat John Moraga and I, I went to their hotel room and I got to meet Mark um, I don't really have much to say about him other than I'm not a big fan of a lot of the bullshit that goes around at Jackson's and some of the fakeness and phoniness that goes on and how a lot of fighters are lured in there only to find out that they're not going to get the individual attention and and coaching from the high-level people um, because there's probably only a couple of high-level people left in there um, you know Izzy doesn't live there Izzy lives in Chicago and then you have uh, so if he if he's there he's being paid to be there by somebody like Holly uh, or or somebody else that would pay his freight to get down there and and be there 
Um, and so the high-level coaches are Brandon Gibson and, and Michael Winkle John and uh, and Greg Jackson. And Greg is semi-retired and has some other interests. So how do you, uh, you know, how do you make a team like what it was, like what people think they're buying when you, uh, when when they uh, sign on to come there or they request to come from from Chechnya and come there and train or wherever all these people are coming from Poland and everywhere else so and then you saw people like Derek Brunson that said you know what I was there I got some of it but you know what no thank you I'm not getting enough attention uh, Brian Stan um, people like uh, uh, Andre Arlovsky who was there for years and Arlovsky's there training and then all of a sudden they go oh we're going to bring in Alistair Overeem and Arlovsky's probably like WTF you're bringing in our a guy that I could fight and compete against? Well, yeah. I mean, the guy makes eight hundred thousand dollars. Ten percent of that is eighty. So, if we get ten percent of his money, that's a pretty good chunk. That's eighty grand for one night. Of so, he's the highest paid heavyweight there is, over him. So, uh, yeah, they let him come in. Well, but then. You got Travis Brown there, and Travis Brown saying, well, wait a minute, but I'm here. You have me and Andre, and now you're going to bring in the guy that I just beat in Overeem, and he's going to learn our techniques? So he left. So there is a trail of tears. John Jones said, do not bring in, or Rashad Evans said, do not let John Jones come here. I could fight that guy. Oh, no, he's going to be a good mimic for when, if we have to fight Anderson Silva at 185, you know, we're going to have you to mimic, we're going to have this guy to mimic Anderson Silva. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, they thought, knew, they said and knew he was the greatest talent in the sport. So they let John come in. So you could go on and on and on. You have Diego Sanchez there. He's one of the OGs, one of the originals at Jackson's. But he was a little non, you know, he was a little absent from the gym. They said, oh, we're going to bring in George St. Pierre. He's like, what? You're going to bring George St. Pierre? He's in my weight class. Yeah, well, can you know, you're not showing enough dedication, you know, whatever it was. So you could go on and on and on with these things, but it would be the same thing as bringing in, you know, somebody in John Dodson's weight class or anybody, you know, you just name who you want. Um, you just can't do that, you know, you just can't. And that's why, as you said, you know, AKA, they don't have a dearth of people out of, AKA in people's weight class. The 185 pound guy is Luke Rockhold. They don't have another big name 185 pound guy. The 205 pound guy is Daniel Cormier. They don't have another big name 205 pound guy. The heavyweight is Cain Velasquez. They don't have another heavyweight there. And that's how they do it is they show loyalty to their fighters. They're not the biggest gym in the world, but the guys they have, they put everything into those guys. The guy at, at lightweight is Khabib Nurmagomedov. They don't have another lightweight there of consequence in the UFC. What the hell does that tell you? It tells you they are invested in a small group of elite fighters that they have. And Jackson Wink says, we're going to bring in as many fucking guys and girls as we can that are UFC fighters that want to come here, we're going to tell them we're going to make you better and we're going to get 10% of your money plus gym fees. 
and that 10% adds up. BJ Penn got you for a couple fights. High paid guy. Johnny Hendricks, former champion. Bring him in. Let him go fight the Brazilian. Get his ass kicked. But they got 10% of his money. So it's you can't just keep bringing in guy after guy after guy after guy at every weight class. You can't do that. You have to have a core stable of guys that you're going to focus on and you're going to get the give them the attention and keep the, the only 145-pound uh, UFC female they should have right now is Holly Holm. Because if you had 10 girls at 145, well, how the hell are you going to focus on developing any of them? How can you track that many? How many coaches do you have? You're just going to let the sparring partners train them? Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, all right? You're in the room. You're a, you're a featherweight fighter at Jackson's, right? You got another guy who's a featherweight fighter in the UFC there. You're sparring with that guy. You going to teach him anything? You going to show him all your tricks? I can tell you from jiu-jitsu I will because... When I go to jiu-jitsu, these guys are my teammates. So all I have to lose if they get better at a technique that I teach them than I am is I lose a sparring match in, in the gym. Who gives a shit? But if that guy is going to jump ahead of me in the rankings and I'm training with him at Jackson's and he's in my weight class, do you think I'm going to teach him everything I know? Would you? Hell no. Hell no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to share all your stuff because you're competing with that guy. I don't care if he's training in the same room you are. If there's a potential you could fight that guy, you are not going to teach him all your stuff. Like I've told you on this show for years, Hicks and Gracie and everything he knows, Crone Gracie knows, but... Don't think that Henry Aiken and everybody else knows everything that Hicks and Gracie taught his son. There are things he showed his son at home in the living room that not everybody knows. Or probably nobody else knows. It may be a grip. It may be a technique. It may be anything. But when you're competing with people, you're in the room... There's other lightweights there. There are guys that you're looking at that go, man, this guy's really good. He could be in the UFC. Just like Frankie Edgar training with that one guy. I can't remember the freakish uh, guy from Dagestan or whatever the hell his name is. You know, if they were in the same weight class, he ain't going to show them everything. Hell no. I, I don't I'm, don't remember what weight class that guy's in um, with the uh, tricky name. I'd have to go back and look it up. But you guys know because he had a highlight reel win uh, recently in the UFC. But that's the name of the game, folks. That is their technique. They are not going to show everybody everything they know. And that's why it doesn't help to have tons and tons and tons of guys and gals in the room that are in the same weight class. Claudia trained there. You think she wants to show Watterson everything she knows? Hell no. Hell no. 
because she knows she might fight Watterson. So, be you know, this is the thing. I'm not trying to pick on Jacksons. They, they, they had a brilliant game plan uh, coming up for Holly and this. But what I'm trying to say, and what I said on my piece on Bloody Elbow, if you want to go on the Bloody Elbow fan post, there you'll see uh, talking about Jackson Wink Jim. And uh, it's by me, DJ San Marco. And uh, you can uh, recommend it, like it, tell me it sucks. Do whatever you want with it. But go read it and uh, tell me what you think. I think they're down like 22-0 and 0 now uh, in their last 22 fights. And that's not an accident. It's because you have to pour everything into these fighters. You have to pour it all in there and give them all your attention. And you can't do it 365, but you got to do it for the ones that are in camp. And if you don't do that, you're not going to be as successful as they were. Because they were so successful at taking good fighters and making... They would take mediocre fighters and make them good fighters. They would take good fighters and make them great fighters. That's what they did. Greg is a genius. He really is. Um, Winkle John has some genius. There are some things that he's taught that work very well for some people. His oblique kick. Everybody, there are, I shouldn't say everyone, there are many, many fighters that are using the oblique kick now to effect. John Jones most notably, but others. Holly, Carlos used it a lot against Diaz. There's a lot of fighters that use it. And then there are a lot of fighters that, um, you saw Dear Casey using it last night, you know, but um, a lot of, well, you saw Yoel Romero using it. And how do you think Yoel Romero learned that? Because he was brought out to Albuquerque to train with John Jones for Cormier uh, a couple of times. So that's how he learned that. So anyway, all right, guys, I want to thank you for listening. Come and check me out on Twitter. It's at BJJ underscore, excuse me, MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life on Twitter. Uh, follow me. Give me a like if you would on Facebook and or SoundCloud. I would appreciate you if you would give me a like or a recommendation or a comment. Um, go on uh, Bloody Elbow. Go under fan posts and you'll see me talking about Jackson Wink and their losing record. And no, I'm not trying to pile, pile on them. I'm just pointing out something that I see. There's a lot behind the scenes there there's a lot that I know um, but um, and I like to call out bullshit when I see it and that's what I call what uh, uh, somebody I respect and admire somebody that's smarter than I in Luke Thomas and I think he's full of crap when he says that you can't criticize cyborg I can I can as a fan or analyst I can uh, respect her I can admire her and I can criticize what, uh, you know, uh, that one thing about her, that, that advantage that she's always going to have. At least as long as she's uh, still young enough to use it all, um, she's always going to have that advantage. Whether or not she never does another drug in her life, she's put on certain masks that other women, if they don't do the same thing, aren't going to have. So nothing wrong with that. It's not being a hater. It's not screaming. I think Cyborg's awesome, and uh, 
and everybody makes mistakes in life. I have made many, 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 many mistakes. I want to be forgiven, and Cyborg should too. Nothing wrong with that. So anyway, uh, listen to us uh, on SoundCloud and uh, give us a like on SoundCloud and iTunes. And uh, we'll be back next time. Hopefully I'll be back with my man Will Wu, the professor at a Long Beach State who I love talking to because um, he's so much smarter than I am. All right. Um, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you. And as always, uh, for me, I'm always wondering what's up around the bend. Our father's land is calling us home.